thank you for coming here today. It's me, Linda Sage, on Learning From Life. One thing I can promise you, there'll be people to meet over the airways here you'll never forget. Some, as long as you live. Let's just say, most have had what could be termed as an interesting life. It's not what happens, it's how you deal with it. And one line from any of them could change the way you deal with things forever. There'd be landing from all parts of the planet, all ages, backgrounds and experiences. Telling the truth of how it was and how they managed things may just help you miss a rock or two along your road too. Hi and welcome. Thank you for joining me. And uh, I always have great guests. I'm so lucky. And this week is no different. This gentleman has got so many different hats. We could be here talking for a week. So he's actually head of physics and uh, enrichment extracurricular activities at the moment in Flying Hall School in Robin Hood Bay, which if you're not in England, that is in the northeast coast of England. So uh, if you follow the coastline up on the map, it's up there on the right hand side. He's also uh, run his own design and publishing businesses. He's been a director of many multimedia companies, spoken at loads of events around the world, and he's had lots of topics such as innovation and creativity. He's written numerous books, uh, not just fiction books, but a GCC physics textbook. That's way beyond me. Don't know anything about physics. And he's also a songwriter as well. So there's lots of things. With, but during this pandemic episode that we've been happening, he's really created something unique for his school. He's got online assemblies, but what he's done is he's made it into a talk show and uh, he's had so many different guests in, but what they've done is they've taken the initial conversation from the chat show and then they put it into curricular activities as well. So it has been absolutely fascinating. So, da -da -da -da, of course, this wonderful person is Aid Instone. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Linda. Yeah, especially since I had you on my show, isn't it? So it's like I did. Turn you down yeah. For so. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to change seats now and again. <laughs> so, well, I don't know quite where to start with because you have so many things that you've done and you've been. So let's just perhaps start with a little bit, you know, who who is Aid? Let, what about your name, actually? Let's just start with that because that's quite an unusual name. Any history behind that one? Well, much to the annoyance of my family, I invented it because well, my surname is in stone. That's it's a yeah. rare enough surname, but... But yeah, so it's supposed to be Adrian, but I didn't ever didn't really like it. But um, uh, I was a, a fan of various um, bands from the '60s, and Pink Floyd is one of them. And um, the leader of Pink Floyd is Sid, and it was spelt S Y D. And I I just thought, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> so I thought I can't call myself Sid because it's not my name, is it? But um, <laughs> you know, but people short Adrian to Aid, but they spell it A D E, which is really boring, isn't it? But I thought, well, phonetically, A-Y-D is aid, isn't it? It sounds uh -huh. it's the same name, but it, it sounds it's spelled differently and it's homage to Sid. So the, <laughs> that was the reason. Oh, that's fantastic. So you've actually invented yourself. Sort of, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like it's been a long journey becoming head of physics. So where did that journey actually start? I, I, I don't know. I think of, think of things as journeys i think of things as can i can i do something i like doing you know so can i uh -huh. 
can I create stuff? And so the, the, the theme, uh, really, the theme of what I talk about, what I do, what I try to tell the kids about is about being creative and doing what you love doing. And um, I like making things, and that could be physically making something, or it could be making some art, like we, you mentioned, you know, music. So I started writing songs when I was 15 and, um, and recorded them and do my band and um, illustrations and stuff like that. And I've written short stories and stuff. So I like creating stuff that you, you could regard as art. But, um, but, it's, but what I've discovered, I think, over time is there's something else going on, you know. So um, at university, I did physics. Then I got involved in the uh, the student newspaper, or student well, it was it was a newspaper, but I turned it into a magazine. So I got voted in to be the communications officer at Oxford Brookes University. So it meant that I could um, I was making this magazine every four weeks, and uh, and and, it, and and so yeah, the answer to your question starts there, because I thought, how can I make this newspaper that eight people wrote in it and eight people read it, and I thought, how can I make this more more useful? you know, more, more interesting and a wider readership and more people involved. So I went on a campaign of getting people involved in it. So we ended up having the most student contributors on any student magazine in the country. So we had between 30 and 60 people contributing every month. And the magazine went from eight pages to um, 30, 40 pages. And, and I got people trying to get people involved in all sorts of things. So like obvious stuff like film reviews and pop reviews and um, but writing poetry and doing illustrations and comic strips and um, um, insight of in, in all lights of university life. So I had loads of people get involved in the thing. So what I realised, I didn't realise at the time what that's what I was doing, you see, what, what it was really about was I was allowing people to do what they wanted to do. Do you see what I mean? So mm -hmm. so I was doing what I wanted to do, but I was, I was enabling other people to do what they wanted to do. And I think there's something in that. It's not, it, it, it's not just about sitting back and uh, and doing or do, and not just simply doing your own thing and then hoping people are like it that's one thing but contributing in such a way that other people can contribute too so uh, there's something in there and I can't there's probably a name for it I don't know but um so so that is a theme that that I would come back to later so after the after doing university got a job I was a technical author in, in television graphics and um and then became designer and then creative director in a multimedia company as you said very boring so we skip over this bit because that was <laughs> doing a job you know i mean it's effectively nine to five or it wasn't really five but you know quite late nights sometimes but doing a, quite a boring job and doing whatever sound it sounds romantic doesn't it oh we're working in film and tv yeah but, but no not really um but what i learned loads of stuff about how to run business and how to do and what i wanted to do um and I ended up starting my own business, which was a style of a design business, then became publishing. And then I got involved in professional speaking. So that's professional speaking means speaking for money, you know, <laughs> you know which is handy, isn't it? Um, yeah. And so, uh, so I, I did training sessions or conference talks about creativity, about what, what, what we've been talking about. So the circle starts to come round in the case I'm trying to inspire people for them to be more creative. See what I mean? So it's... Um, uh, and I did that for a number of years, and but there was something unsatisfying about that, and and now I know what it is. And as a sort of analogy, if you think of um, there's an interview with with Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones, which is he's, he doesn't really do any many interviews, but it's quite an insightful thing he said in this interview. He said the Rolling Stones isn't a, isn't we don't make our money from rock and roll. And the interviewer says, well, "What are you talking about? Of course you made millions from rock and roll." He said, "No." He said, "You know the money you make from making music." 
recorded music is minimal. You don't make much money from it. And they said, oh, so you've made your money from live performances. He said, oh, you make money from live performances, but that's not where we made our big money. We made it from T-shirt sales. So really, the Rolling Stones is in the T-shirt business. And that's really interesting, isn't it? It's sort oh, of wow. um, that they made money from doing that. And I mean, that's good for them. But I, fi I find it annoying. I find it offensive in a way. I don't like it. I don't, um, because I think that what we do as, as individuals, we can, or we can do, and this is what the theme of what I'm talking about, is that we can pursue the, the, the pursuit of wealth so much that we end up doing something that isn't our thing. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so when I was doing my band, for example, we were trying to make a hit record and we were trying to get signed and we were trying to get bigger gigs and get noticed. But the more we did that, the less enjoyable it became. And we moved further and further away from making the music that we wanted to be making because we were trying to please some guy in some um, re recording studio in some, you know, uh, yeah. record label. I went to, we took our demos into these record companies and, uh, and we, we were playing a tape for him. It was a tape then. And, uh, and he says, mm, yeah, well, it's not exactly the verve. And I said, well, of course it's not the verve because the verve's the verve. We're not trying to copy the verve or Oasis, whoever it was. Mm -hmm. And I looked up on the wall and I saw all these gold records or silver records that he had around the round. And I can't remember who they were, but they were all sort of artists that I didn't respect and didn't, were, never bought their records and weren't interested. And I thought, what am I doing here? You know, trying to sort of, prostate myself you know to this guy trying to sort of prove myself and and um and this sort of started the end of that sort of thing of thinking what was the point of this you know what what are we what are we exactly trying to do and sort of remembered that the, when i enjoyed the music it was when it was when me and my mates were making music for ourselves and trying to impress each other by writing a better song than each other you know i thought that's the bit i actually enjoyed so why am I trying to make money out of it you know, and, and ruin it? So, so there was that. And that came back with the speaking. So I was speaking at conferences and I've been to some exotic places. You know, so I've spoken in, um, in places in Europe, but um, in, um, in Tehran, in Iran. Yeah, and I wasn't allowed to take my guitar because they didn't oh, like wow. that. Because I used to, I opened the show with my guitar and I've sent you some songs that you can have a look at. Mm -hmm. um, that I opened the show with those songs, opened or closed the show when I did my one man shows. And um, back in Iran, I couldn't, couldn't do the guitar. And uh, in Nigeria, in Lagos, which was scary, and, uh, and, and a few other places, doing big conferences for companies with you know, thousands in the audience and stuff like that. But what I found there was, I was always doing the same show because you, you, you're doing a show, if you're doing a show for some big company, big pharmaceutical company or something, like I did in in um, in uh, Geneva, and uh, you, you're going to put your best stuff in. So I'm doing my best song, my best anecdotes, my best training material, my best stories. You know, all the best stuff, the greatest hits. You know, and and after a while, I thought it's boring, isn't it? Doing the same thing, doing the same show, the same stories, the same jokes, the same songs. You know, and I found it ended up being quite quite dull. I thought, what's the point of this? You know, it wasn't wasn't making that much money, making some money from it. Mm -hmm. And and somebody said, oh, you know, you do something different, do something else. And they're like, what? And it was ages ago, somebody suggested, you know, you can probably be a good teacher, you should do that. I said, what would I do that for? And then a year after that, I thought about it and sort of thought about it and researched it a bit and found out how, how, it, could, how it actually would work. And I thought, hang on, this would work, wouldn't it? Because 
I could do the thing that I was doing when I was doing the magazine, getting people involved, getting people to be their best, inspiring other people, as in this case, it would be students, kids, children. I could do the thing that I like doing, because I can think, how can I do this? How can I create a lesson or an activity or a thing that that's a, that's a thing that I've created? And it's a, it um, fulfills that thing um, that I mentioned just now of the variety of it. Is every lesson's different, isn't it? Every class is different. Every, every time I describe the thing, I'll do it in a different way. I don't have to do the greatest hits. I can make it new every single time. And so there's the very long answer to your question as to why get into teaching because every day is totally different. Every day has creative challenges. Every child has different needs. Every topic has a different way of putting it across. So there's the answer. And, and it's quite amazing if, I, if you listen to this back or um, for people that are listening, the difference in your voice as you were going through the different topics. And as soon as you got to teaching, your voice just illuminated. <laughs> You, you got so passionate about it and you, you can say that, you know, how much this is coming over to, to other people. So part of what you're doing is not just about the base curricula, because obviously you like to bring in sort of all different things. And COVID hitting us has obviously made a big difference to uh, to teaching. Because obviously a lot of the schools were virtually closed um, or very low attendance. So how did you start getting the idea to get everybody involved via the uh, the chat show assembly? Yeah, because um, it, 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 one step back was when I came to do, I came to this to the interview for this job in, in Robinson's Bay at Filing Hall. And uh, I did it on a whim, really, because I, I got an email, as you get emails about all sorts of stuff, and it was a job interview, job job application interview, uh, email thing. And uh, and I, I, I had no intention of, of applying to it. I sent it to my wife to say, oh, Robinson's Bay, that's where I went when I was 10. I wanna, you know, it'd be great to go there for holiday. So I emailed it to her to sort of as, as a note to remind me to talk about it. But she didn't get that note. She just thought I'd said, look at this job, you know. So she'd like look through the job and look through where it was and thought when I came home, she said, apply. Have you, you, you got to apply. I said, oh, well, you know, I don't know. So she said, so I applied on the, um, on the Friday. No, I applied on the Sunday, got a phone call on Monday saying, can I get up here? And it's a six hour drive from Oxford where I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they said, oh, get up here. So I kind of went up Thursday night. Otherwise, a nice day out, isn't it? Job interview. So I came up here and you've seen the picture, which was the background in the show, the picture of the sea and the, that view. That's the yes. view from the window. You know, that's the view from the window of the school and the window of the cottage I'm living in. It's the view out the window right now. And I just thought, this is a, this is amazing. and. The headmaster said, you know, we needed a quick decision. Can you, you know, and it was a bit like on Dragon's Den. I thought, well, I'll go and talk to the wall. We're not going to go to the back of the room. So, um, <laughs> so I said yes to this, yes to moving my family, you know, 250 miles north, uprooting my wife's job, my kids from the school, their schools, and uh, shifting up here. So that was this weird sort of first part of that story. Then uh, when I arrived here, we have an assembly and it's in a bar it's called the barn because it was a barn and the whole school's in there and the vicar didn't turn up. The vicar was supposed to do the assembly. The headmaster said, no, oh, the vicar hasn't turned up. What are we going to do? We'll have to cancel assembly. I said, no, we don't. We don't cancel, the, you know, cancel shows. You know what are you talking about? So I went on stage and improvised, you know, quarter of an hour's assembly because it's easy because that's, that's fun. I can do that. 
And um, then, then he said, oh, you can do all the assemblies from now on then. I won't bother with the vicar. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been doing the assemblies ever since. And uh, so when it came to the, the lockdown, you know, the, we worked out how we were going to do virtual lessons, how we each subject could do it and deliver it to the kids. And most of the kids had computers, but other ones had other ways of doing stuff. So we had to, he said, can we carry on doing some the assemblies, you know, adding value in a different way, doing this other thing? And I said, of course we can, without thinking how to do it. I think, well, how can we do it? You know, so um, I've been watching some of those American chat shows. And I thought that's a fun format, isn't it? You know, we don't have it in Britain anymore since Wogan. You know, I suppose Graham Norton is similar, the, the, the nearest thing. But he doesn't do a monologue. He doesn't do, it's not quite the same. Yeah. So um, Jonathan Ross, I suppose, was the last one we ever had in Britain. I can think of Parkinson. But anyway. The American chat shows, they're a comedian who does it. So it's funny, it's, and, you know, it's that sort of thing. And I thought, well, that's, that's the, the good vehicle for it. Because I'll host it and, you know, give a little chat and then have a guest. And we couldn't get people to the real assemblies. We couldn't get them in because why would you come all this way? Even the nearest, you know, if you're in York or Middlesbrough, it's still an hour to get over the moor to here. Why would you come over here for 10 minutes? You wouldn't. So it's very hard to get people to come to the real assembly. But it's much easier to get people, as you know, uh, to be interviewed on video. And so I started off with some of my contacts from Professional Speakers Association, and then it spread from there because um, I think it was Dave Heiner suggested. I think did he get in? Was it Dave who got in touch with you? So it was, um, it's no, sort of John, John. John was it John Atauka or John? Yeah. yeah. Atauka. Yeah. John Atauka was the first my first guest. Yeah, and. Uh, so the various those different guys, uh, you know, um, spread the word to other different people um, like, and other like, thanks to Lee Jackson as well for giving me in contact with people. I haven't had him on yet. But he's another one to get on. So um, and so it went from there, the idea of interviewing a person about some their own aspects of personal development. And then we could turn that into, like you said at the start, turn that into a into a discussion theme for the tutor groups so that all the kids can discuss what we've discussed and do a little exercise or something like that. So that, that was the idea. And it just got funnier and funnier as time went on. So I'm quite proud of the, of the later ones where um, my bits, I mean, the interviews are all great, but my bits get better <laughs> as I go on, you know, <laughs> you know, as I sort of get more and more insane. Yeah. Well, this is how we do, you know, you, you develop as you're going along as well. And I think you know, one of your big lessons there for learning from life is about you know, doing what you love doing. Yeah. Yeah. Finding a way to do the thing that you, you love to do and, and try to, I think, try to disassociate it in some form from monetizing it. And that was the big thing from, for me that, um, there might be a way of monetizing it, but if you go for the, mm, you, people will have disagreed with me, you know, but if you go for the money, you, it's like you, you, when I was doing the band, for example, is that, you, you know, what did I spend my time doing? Was it writing songs and recording, performing with my mates? No, it was um, contacting bookers and agents and, um, you know, record people. It was sending out stuff in the post. It was put stuff in things in envelopes. It was all the stuff of all that, that marketing thing. I thought, and I became good at marketing. I mean, my business was marketing for a bit. But marketing, if if you love marketing, then brilliant. That's the thing, isn't it? But I didn't want to. I didn't want to be doing the marketing. You know, I wanted to be doing the thing. And 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 I think this is the entrepreneur trap in a way, isn't it? We talked about. We we know all entrepreneurs talk about this. 
that, you know, you love hairdressing, so you open a hairdressing salon and you find, well, you're not hairdressing anymore, you're managing other hairdressers. Yes. Now, if that's what you want to do, that is brilliant. If you wanted to be the hairdressing entrepreneur, the manager, that is brilliant. And I'm not taking anything away from that. But if you love doing the art type of thing, how are you going to do it? And and I think that's where your creativity has got to come in. So it might be that you can't, like like I'm saying, like, I can't get a record deal. So I can't be a multi-million selling record recording artist. But it didn't stop me from still writing the songs and still performing them. So I performed them in my shows and I've performed them in assemblies. So the bit I love doing, I can still do. But that little bit isn't monetized. Do you see what I mean? And let's just go back to your songs for a while, because the, the, the songs are not just like commercial songs, are they? they? They've all got a meaning to the songs. Yeah, because that was, that was the idea that, uh, you know, is a conference about innovation. So the song's about innovation, you know. So uh, and sometimes I wrote a song for the actual event that was on. Mm -hmm. I'm not those particular ones. Those are sort of generic ones that you've got there. Um, you know, they're about creativity, about innovation or about some aspect of it. And and. Um, you know, I could have gone down the route. Somebody suggested, oh, if you write songs like that, couldn't you go down the route of writing songs for any purpose? You know, write a yeah. song for for Marmite, you know, or something. Yeah. And and again, I thought, hang on a minute, that's going, that's not how I do it, is it? That's not why I, what I like about it. That would be forcing it down a commercial route that would turn it into something horrible. You know, doing cat jingles. It's not my thing. Some people love doing cat jingles. They can do cat jingles. I didn't want to do that, so that's fine. So the teaching has allowed me to do that. So I'm getting paid, but I can do the things I like to doing. And that's that's the difference. So the songs fit in with the show, the songs fit in with the, I can do those songs in assembly because they're meaningful. Me standing up and singing just any relevant, any old song in assembly isn't really, I wouldn't, I don't want to do it because it's not for me to do, I don't want me to show off. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is to either say, look, you can do this too, or have a think about this message and I'm putting it in a song so it give you a different way of thinking about it or um, or or uh, you know or whatever you know so it's sort of the, the everything I do we try to think how can how was the benefit of this to the kids you know that's it and, and of course now we have have the kids on uh, school holidays so uh, obviously this is a time for teachers just to put their feet up and lay back and uh, do nothing else isn't it Partly, but it is sort of, there is, there is sort of that thing that you, you can ask any teacher, right? you're thinking, all right, what am I going to do next, you know, so I, I'm, I'm writing a book, uh, I'm trying to write, write another book about, about learning, about teaching and learning, mm -hmm. about um, how to learn science in particular, but you know, metacognition is the, uh, is the learning about learning, so I'm interested in that, sort of the, the concept of teaching, so so I'm researching that. So I think a lot of teachers would, well, some just sit on the beach, yeah, I know, but, but I'd be like thinking, what can I do differently? What can I do better? So I'm thinking, I hate my whiteboard. It's rubbish. I want to get a better whiteboard up. You know, is a glass one any good, you know? And I'm thinking we might be virtual when we come back. How, what, what, how could I broadcast lessons? And if some kids can't get in, how can I broadcast that better to them live? Could, is that possible? You know, so thinking through all the sort of techniques like that. And I'm trying to line up interviewees for, for the um, for the next round of the early show, you know, so I'm always thinking about it, I, and I think quite a lot of teachers are in some form. Um, I know a lot of them go in during the summer and decorate the room, redecorate the room, and stuff like that, you know, and plan the curriculum for next terms and 
you know, that sort of thing. We've also got a summer programme going on at Filing Hall, so there's a lot of, there might be a bit of marking to do because there's some kids who are still doing certain activities to catch up or to stay ahead and stuff like that. So schools were never really closed. You know, we had key workers coming in, key workers' children coming in, so there was that. There were teachers on the rotor dealing with that, but but all the teachers were teaching, and this is all true for up and down the country. Whatever school, whatever type of school, we were we were having to teach virtually, either live streaming, but you couldn't always do that, or recorded stuff, or um, sending materials out and then it, having it sent back and marking it. So all teachers were doing different things. But again, I I quite I hated it and liked it. I hated it because I couldn't do what I wanted to do, but I liked it in that it made you think, well, what's the best way of doing this? Is it me to film a video and send that? Is it to do it live and have a chat, a live chat? Is it do it over audio? Is it to film, you know, this? Is it to um, do questions and answers? Is it to get them to go and research stuff? So it was all different. And again, that's that thing about coming back to the theme of creativity. Um, I, I, I want to be creative, try to be creative keeps me interested, but it's also about getting the kids doing different activities. So for my year seven group, which is the sort of 11, 12 year olds, I, I didn't get them to write much. I didn't get them to watch much. I got them to give them instructions on how to investigate something at home using equipment that I knew they had. So I checked a week before, have you got sodium bicarbonate? Have you got vinegar? Have you got, you know, washing up liquid or whatever? Have you got some bottles? And then you could do this particular experiment and they could design it, they could run it, and then they could write it up and tell me what they've learned. So from a science point of view, that was perfect because they were they were learning skills, which is very important. And and it highlights that idea that education isn't really and shouldn't really be about facts. It shouldn't be about learning facts and being and turning into yourself into an encyclopedia and then being tested on facts. It should be skills and um, knowledge around concepts so that you can un an understanding of things mm -hmm. so that's what science is it's about understanding the world so that you can solve problems that's that's what it's about it's not trying to remember what a, such a thing is or how to spell it that's part of it but that's what it can't or can't all be that it's got to be learning has got to be about um you know that enrichment part of you've got to be able to uh, understand and be able to solve things yourself and have make things yourself and use your skills yourself and and talk about solving problems um i'm aware that we could talk for so long and you know time always gets the better of us but just coming up and and the idea of going back to school with the new term in september do you think things are going to be back to normal or do you think they're going to be different again it's not going to be normal, is it? I don't, you know, I don't think it can be. I think if you sort of try to read between the lines of there's a virus out there, there's no vaccine. Even if there is a vaccine, it's still not going to be quite normal. I don't think it's not going to be normal for a very long time, if ever. So we have to adopt, adapt and improve. You know, we have to think of how we can, how we can, how we can work with what we got. So I think a lot of schools are having one-way systems. We're quite small, so we're going to have to have timings of when people move around. We'd have to have groups in bubbles, but we're lucky as a small school. So, um, so our bubbles of kids who will be t together we might, might be the whole school as one bubble. I don't know yet. You know, and we've got to protect the staff, the teachers, the support staff, all the people who are more vulnerable than the children. Children might be carriers, but they might not get ill. So we've got to be aware and um, and with all that. So. I think there's going to be various systems in place. There's going to be things, structures that we might not like that we'll have to put up with and work around. But again, if your, um, you know, raison d'etre is to be creative, then any challenges are 
joy, isn't it? And it, it's, it's how can we solve this? Well, how can we get around this? How can I do what I want to do with these challenges? And, um, and so it shouldn't, it shouldn't be something to be fearful of. You know, challenges are there, uh, rules are there, or problems are there to be solved. Otherwise, it's not a game, is it? I mean, if you'd said, let's play football, but we're not going to have any rules. We're not going to have any goals. Well, we're going to make the goals a random size, or we're going to, the pitch can be random size, a random amount of players. You don't have to use a ball, you can use a flamingo or something. It's not going to be a game, is it? It's just going to be a mess. And, and a lot of our creativity is hampered by us not realising that the things that limit us can actually work for us and make us be more creative, more innovative, innovative. Those challenges can make us strive forward and do better than we would have done if it was all too easy. Very true. Very very good uh, words there. So all, all kids at school with their teachers want to know a secret. So come on, eh? tell us something that none of your kids know. Let us into a secret. About what? About you, what? something that nobody knows. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I thought I could totally transparent. I don't, I don't think. Any, I don't think. I don't hide anything, so I don't. I can't think of anything particularly, particularly secretive. But the ones I, that I, the ones that I torment kids with. So at the start of term, where especially if I've got a younger group or a new group that hasn't seen me before, and we do the sort of two truths and a lie games, as getting you know to find out who each other. Oh, then I put if you put that type of thing in there, you know, and it, the one is that some of the kids might spot that some of the clothes I use are, are part part of Doctor Who costumes, you know. So, you know, of oh, the scarf, pretty obvious. So the scarf's on the back of my door. I only wear that when it's very cold. But um, you know, my jacket that I wear in the early show that's that's a Doctor Who jacket. That's Peter Capaldi's jacket. The um, mm. It's not his jacket. It's an identical yes. one. I've stolen yes. his jacket, you know. Um, and I've got a Matt Smith jacket that I wear. That's the previous Doctor Who. And so, so I wear a lot of a lot of items of clothing that are from Doctor Who, and um, and some kids know it and some don't know it, and uh, that that's that's quite fun. But I was I played Doctor Who in a stage production twenty years ago, and and I didn't know this that that. It was a stage production. There've only been a few stage productions. It was authorised by the BBC. We got the permission to do it from the BBC, and so technically, I am a Doctor Who. You know, technically, I'm a stage Doctor Who. So, um, and there was a book came out that was a sort of an encyclopedia of Doctor Who that had all the facts about it in it uh, and whatnot. And it was a multi-volume series. You know, and when it came to the story about the Cybermen, which is the story we put on the stage, you know, it it was in there. You know. That Aidan Stone and Keir Ash, who's my mate, put on Tomb of the Cybermen on stage. You know, so it's sort of like, in you know, very very small claim to fame, isn't it? But it's but it's in there in Doctor Who lore. My name is like really, you know, loosely attached. Oh, <laughs> so that, but but it's in there. It, it it's in there, it. isn't it? It's in there. <laughs> That's yeah. all the that's all the matters. So when the kid says, you know, you say you should you you should be a Doctor Who. You know, I say, well, I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Move over all the others. I'm coming through. <laughs> so thank you so much, A, for being with us and really, really appreciate your time. And 
all your golden insights here. So much information. So uh, but that's a good thing about the podcast because you can listen to it several times. So go oh, back yeah. and listen to all the info that Ada's uh, given us. Lots of golden gems in there. But um, I hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for your time so much, Aid. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. I'm uh, pleased to be with you this week. And next week, we will be back to do it all again. So for now, take care. Bye for now. If you were brave, what if you took flight? What if after trying hard you got it right? What if you had time? What if you had cash? What if you could find that inspiring lightning flash and see? for listening this podcast was recorded in conjunction with the chapel fm art center and east leeds fm radio station for more information about them and all the good work that they do is www.elfm.co.uk and to know more about what linda sage is doing her website is www.lindasage.com also on all the other social medias